So today we'll be looking from Hosea chapter 1 verses 1 to chapter 2 verse 1. So let's read together the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Joham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, sons of the Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterer's wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Debliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put to an end the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by now... Uh, Uh, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted in place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and come up out of the land, for, uh, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say, your brothers and sisters, my people, and, and of your sisters, my loved one. So, originally in our church, we preached from the book of Amos first, and then we moved on to Hosea. And so, if you look at verse 1 of today's, today's text, uh, the background of Hosea I already explained before. And if you look here, it, it lists the, the, the kings of <coughs> southern Judah, Uzziah, Joham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So Uzziah reigned around, from, uh, reigned around the period of 780 B.C. to 740 B.C.-ish. But the, and also Jeroboam was the king of northern Israel during that period. And the important thing to remember is that during this period, uh, it was the second golden age of Israel after the age of uh, David's reign. So it was known as the second golden age of Israel and Judah together. It was a time of abundance. And uh, another way to look at it means that they were able to conquer more lands than Solomon, Solomon was able to conquer. So please uh, sign up for the South American conferences. Are any of you willing to go? Should I go alone? Well, if, if you guys don't sign up, then we're going to have to bring a lot of our church members to, uh, to help with the ministry. So raise your hand if you're going to South America. Just you guys? Raise your hand if you're going to Israel. <laughs> like I always say, uh, whenever we do the work of God, we should not think about money. Because if it is necessary, the Lord will give it to us. Today, when we uh, roughly calculated the amount of money that would be needed for the conference, it, it was quite a lot. But we're not going to worry about it because God is going to give it to us. And right now, in this season, especially for our church, it is not 
practical for us to open up our ministries to overseas yet because we have so many things going on. For example, we have to build our new church. Uh, we have to. Uh, we have this transition to the church next to us, and we have Pastor Cho's church we have, that we have to build. So it is a very financially difficult time for our church. But yet, the Lord has opened this ministry to us because it is very urgent, and God, <clears throat> God wants to raise the remnants around the world in this period. So anyways, uh, so many people in South America are desiring, are yearning for this conference to be held. They have waited for many years now. They keep sending us messages and emails saying that they desire for a conference. And they keep inviting me to go there. Let's move on. <clears throat> so, uh, we don't really need to dive deep into the background of Hosea. Uh, Hezekiah reigned from 750 BC and reigned, he was in power until 720 BC uh, around the fall of Israel. And Amos was a contemporary uh, prophet of Hosea. He, he was active and, and during his prophetic ministry around 10 years earlier than Hosea did. And Hosea uh, is the is, came afterwards, came after Amos. And Hosea uh, continued his prophetic ministry from 750 BC to 710 BC. But the funny thing is, if you look at the text of today, you'll realize that the, the kings of the sou southern kingdom, so Judah, kings of Judah were listed before the kings of northern Israel. And this is something that I have spoken about during uh, my exposition on Amos. The reason why Israel failed so much was because they were still controlled by their greed. Greed for power, greed for other things. And that is what poisoned them and made them fall and make them compromised. And Israel is not a, a country that can be run by politics. But they tried to, and that's the, the cause of their fall. And the reason why Hosea writes the kings of southern Judah first, uh, southern Judah first is because the Lord wants to emphasize the, the traditions of Israel, which is which uh, which goes through the line of David. So that's the basic background for this book. And for the kings of northern Israel, any other, the seven other kings that were written after Jeroboam weren't even really recognized as kings because they only ruled for a couple months. And all of them are basically murderers who assassinated the kings that preceded them. So, so, 
So that's how um, all, the, all the kings and the reign continued on. And in Assyria, during this period, a king named Degedat III was in power. And they fell around 720 BC. And Assyria, as you know, was the main cause that caused the fall of northern Israel around 720 BC. So, uh, anyways, Israel was experiencing the second golden age of their history, and everything was abundant to them. And abundance is a blessing that comes from God. And rather, when you receive these, uh, uh, when you receive these blessings from the Lord, you're supposed to use it for His works and not for yourselves. But there they were, they were overwhelmed by their own greed and fell to these temptations. That's why the Lord raised up His prophets to say to Israel that if you continue on this path, you are going to be met with judgment and destruction from God. And back then, these kings were very, uh, their names were great, Uzziah, Hezekiah, Ahaz. But, and they had such power during their reign, but the Lord would send His prophets to, the, to these kings uh, and say that your reign will be over. So it must have been a difficult pill for them to swallow. So when we look at history, especially human history and the history of Israel, we can realize that we have to be humble and low before the Lord because we cannot do anything without Him. Right now, uh, Elder True of our church is in the emergency room for the has been in the re- emergency room for the past four months. And even though he's in, uh, he's experiencing an immense amount of pain right now. The reason why he is alive right now is because God is still holding on to him and has not let go. So you guys have to desire for the prophetic anointing and the prophetic blessing that was given to Hosea for it to come upon you as well. I will, I will explain who the prophet is throughout this conference. And uh, I really wish I, I could have preached from Amos first because uh, chronologically he came before Hosea. And they both uh, were in the same age, they were contemporaries. But I'll explain why I'm going to preach from Hosea first. So Hosea was a prophet, and who is a, who is a prophet? A prophet is a person who, who knows the heart of God. And why is a prophet important? The prophet is important also because he knows, that person knows the heart of God and the will of God. And if the Lord is hurting, then the prophet knows of that hurt and, and partakes in that suffering with God. That is the role of the prophet. And is that different for the apostle? So there is a difference between an apostle and a prophet. Prophets began, they have a lineage, lineage starting from the Old Testament. But the apostles were raised, began, their lineage begins in the New Testament. 
So prophets were people who were raised even before the time of Jesus. Right now, we're living in an age where we all have the Holy Spirit within us, and that allows us to sense the Lord. But back then, because the Holy Spirit was not among us, God only allowed His heart to be poured upon a specific few people that He has chosen. Wait, this is especially clear in the Old Testament. He allowed His presence to come upon these people, and He allowed them to know of the Lord's heart. But if you look at their lives, it is very tragic. Uh, God would tell them to do some um, unexplainable things like, like preach and minister naked or go out in the wilderness and live on your own. So if you look at verse 2, what's the first thing that the Lord commands Hosea to do? It's for him to marry a promiscuous woman. So raise your hand if you want to be a prophet after reading this verse. I'm sure I have explained the difference between a prophet and an apostle before. And both of them are called by God the same way. But when you are called as an apostle, the Lord will put you through a time of training so that you can be trained within the gospel and receive the authority from God. But a prophet, as soon as he is called to be a prophet, he, is, he, he has to dive into the ministry of God. God would, as soon as he names you a prophet, he would tell you to go somewhere and, and prophesy to somebody. So that's the difference between the two roles. But right now in the church, in the, in the perspective of the church, the roles of the prophet and apostles are a little bit different. It's a little bit different from the, from the prophets we are talking about in the Bible. If you look at Acts, uh, not just the 12 disciples of Jesus were called apostles, but many other apostles were raised. But when we say the apostles, we talk about the 12 apostles uh, and the 12 disciples that were raised by Jesus uh, in the gospel. Why do you think they were able to be, uh, bear this kind of difficult life? It is because they knew the heart of the Father. But it is not just the prophets who understand the Lord's heart, but anybody who is willing to follow the Lord can receive this heart. And so it doesn't make sense for you to be sad when the Lord is rejoicing and for you to rejoice when the Lord is sad. So right now, after Second Corinthians, the Lord has been stirring up all the wickedness and darkness residing within this church. And our church is following along after the will of God. And that's why so many things, so many events are happening within this church. And even though those events are very tragic and, and very hard to bear, we, don't, we do not fall into sadness and despair because we know this is the will of God. No matter how difficult the situation may be, if the Lord rejoices, then we can rejoice with Him. And no matter how good your situation is, if the Lord is sad, if, 
or if is he's uh, angry, then we have to experience the same kind of anger with him as well. So like the prophets written in the Old Testament, we must all be able to receive the Lord's heart and sense his, his emotions uh, sensitively, very sensitively. And in the Old Testament, the prophets who knew the, the Lord's heart the, the most. And so when we look at the when we look at their lives, it's filled with suffering, pain, persecutions. But the, the, the thing that made him, the, the, the most difficult thing that they had to experience was receiving the Lord's heart. Because uh, if the Lord is in pain, then they had to experience that same kind of pain with him. Do you want to be a prophet? I will lay my hands upon you and appoint you as a prophet if you wish. So it is good. Of course, it is not up, up to us to decide who gets to be a prophet or not. And in the case of apostles, God has already decided who his apostles are in this last age. But I don't think the Lord has shown or decided his, his prophet that he is going to use in the, in the, uh, the end times. Whenever I go overseas, as soon as I step on that land, I can sense that kind of unique anointing that the Lord is giving to that nation. But I have not yet sensed the, the great prophetic anointing that the Lord has prepared for His special prophets that He will be using uh, in the end times. So that is still that is unfortunate, but... Uh, unfortunately, I think God is going to pick someone from the third world. Those countries with poverty, for example, Africa or Southern America, I think God is going to raise His, His prophets in those nations. So that is my, my thought. It's not something that I received from God, but it is just uh, my hypothesis. When this prophet rises, he will be officially entering to a time of the, the, the two, two witnesses. That's when the, the actual game begins. Uh, uh, before that, we'll still have to go through a, bit, a time of persecutions. Uh, it would be nice if that prophet would be raised within this ministry. <clears throat> if it is the will of God, of course. Pastor Kim, do you want to be that prophet? I'm just asking. Let's move on. The overall structure of Hosea is section 1 begins from chapter 1 to 3. Talks about Hosea's marriage and his children. Chapter 4 to 10 is section 2. It talks about the judgment upon Israel. Chapter 11 to 14. Talks about the love that God has for Israel. That's how the book ends. So uh, the overview of Hosea is these three sections. Chapter 1 to 3, 4 to 10, and 11 to 14. 
So here we end the introduction. Let's go into the main text. Let's go. Let's look chapter no verses two to three. This is this talks about the Lord's calling to Hosea, and he tells him to marry、uh, an adulterous woman. Verse two. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, "Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her." So this is the first mission that the Lord gave to Hosea, and、uh, the word promiscuous、um, is a Hebrew word. And I will explain it later. But anyways, it just means you have to marry a, an adulterous wife, a promiscuous wife. And it is such a difficult thing to accept. Like I said before, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, all these prophets, and even Elijah, they all received after they have received their calling. The first thing the Lord tells him to do is go to the stream and and, and 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 drink from that stream and live off the wilderness. Or they go tell them to 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 get food from a widow. And as you know, the Israelites, the Jews, they have great pride in their identity before the Lord, and so that's why the Lord tells them and gives them the gives them these kind of、uh, demeaning missions. To be a prophet means to go、uh, almost abolish、uh, the law of the Lord. And especially in the case of Hosea, to marry an adulterous wife is is against the law of God. And so, if it was I who received this mission from the Lord, then I was I would have thought that I heard wrong, and and just、um, dismiss this 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 task from the Lord. So, in order to raise up Hosea, in order to train him as a prophet, the Lord tells him to go against his own law. God Himself cannot embrace anything that is unrighteous. So, how is it that He tells His His servant to go against the law? In the end, the the answer is love. Is because of love. The love of God cannot be looked at looked on like the same as the love of the people, love of humans. The love of God requires sacrifice. So look at Hosea. He had to, he had to go and marry an adulterous wife, and he obeys the Lord. How is that possible? We don't know what's going on within the mind of Hosea, but he doesn't talk back to God in any way. He doesn't complain. He just obeys the Lord and marries this person, this this woman. How is that possible? So, Gomer, Gomer is the representative of representation of Israel in this age. So, just like how God God has to die for His people, God has to die for Israel. In the same way, Hosea had to die for his wife. So. 
So what we can know from this is that it is impossible for us to receive the heart of God when we're, when we're trying to hold on to the things, to our own things, we're, when we're unwilling to sacrifice ourselves. When you live by, when you live a self-centered life, when you live by over, while holding on to your own obsessions, when you hold on to your own will and your own standards, it is impossible to receive His standards. It is impossible to receive His heart. Only when you're willing to sacrifice everything will you be able to accept and realize the will of God. You have to take away your will from the equation and receive the Lord's will. So every day we must not be lazy in this task, in this, uh, in this process of emptying ourselves and sacrificing ourselves before the Lord. So this, the way God works, He never tells us to do something that can be accepted, that can be acknowledged by our reason and rationality. While I, while I, have, li- I have been living with God for the past 31 years, this is the, the conclusion that I have come with. When I have 10 cents, God never lets me, God never tells me to use 10 cents. He tells me to, to use a hundred dollars. It's something that we cannot comprehend and something that we cannot do by ourselves. How is that possible? The only way you can make this possible is, for you to, to, is to take yourself out of the equation. You have to die in order for the will of God to be revealed within you. So today as well, the Lord commands Hosea to marry an adulterous wife. And this is against the, the law of God. And this signifies Hosea's death, because, <coughs> his, Hosea's death before the Lord. So in order to receive the Lord's heart, you must take yourselves out of the equation. You have to let yourself die before the Lord in order to receive all that He has prepared for you. Because the love of God comes, comes with His righteousness. So he does, he, God cannot use those who are unrighteous, those who are impure. Because God is a holy God. He cannot touch or use those who are uh, unholy. That's why he has to bless, he has to give his righteousness upon those he wants to use. So in order for God to love Israel, in order for Hosea to love his wife, uh, God has to give his righteousness upon these people. So the reason why Hosea is able to accept his wife over and over again, even though he, uh, she has betrayed him so many times, is not because of his, his kindness. It's because Lord, the, the Lord has blessed him with his righteousness. That is what allows him to have this heart that is willing to accept um, this adulterous wife again. In the same way, Israel over and over again betrays the Lord, turns away from Him. But how is God able to accept them and embrace them again? It's because of His love and His righteousness. So how can I explain this? Forgive, forgiveness. Forgiveness does not come from, from begging. 
It's a faith that is willing to accept the Lord, receive the Lord. Begging and, and, and groaning is, can only work with your human relationship. It, it does not work with God. Forgiveness means God is uh, pouring His righteousness upon us again. It is salvation. It is something that we can receive. We should receive. And when you receive this righteousness, you become bold and confident. When we are forgiven by the Lord, when we receive His righteousness, it means all the, the, the wickedness and all the sin that, sins that we have committed are erased. It, in the same way, in the, in the case of Hosea, every time his wife uh, betrayed him and, and, and committed an adulterous act, the reason he did not forgive her uh, as a human, he forgave her in the way uh, uh, in the way that God forgives Israel, and it is that he pours his the righteousness that was given to him by God upon his wife and cleanses her. And so, after you have repented, if you still experience experience uh, distress and guilt from your actions, then that means you have not repented correctly, and you have not received the Lord's righteousness, because. His forgiveness means that we are made righteous once again, that it erases all essence of sin from us. And so we are once again given the right, given the, the privilege to come before the Lord again because we have been right, made righteous through Him. So when you are saved, when you have received the Lord as your Savior, that means that God has already given you this righteousness. But because as you live in the world, you keep getting contaminated, polluted by the world, by, by, by Babylon. And you lose sight of God. You lose sight of the things that He has given to you. So as soon as you receive His righteousness, you will be able to sense His love again. And with that love and with that righteousness, you can be bold against the world. So with your, in your relationship with the Lord, this relationship is built upon the relationship of the Holy Bride. And this is the only way that you can have this relationship with the Lord. It does not come from being moderately nice, moderately not, uh, kind, moderately good. All we have to do is accept and receive the things that the Lord has given to us. That is, the, that is our salvation in a nutshell. And this, uh, this, the forgiveness that, that Hosea gives to Gomer is the same. It pictures, it illustrates the same, uh, illustrates our salvation with the Lord as well. And our secret to reaching perfect holiness is to believe that is to believe that the Lord has already cleansed my sins and He has made me righteous and He's going, He has promised me that He's going to make me holy and blameless. That's how we reach uh, perfe perfection in the end. You become true righteous beings. And, 
And so it is very important for us to live with this kind of confirmation and to continue to make, uh, stay holy and righteous before the Lord. And the reason why we can come before the Lord in the first place is because we have been made as His holy brides. So what does it mean to know the Father's heart? It's not forgiving Israel because they, have, they, they seem sad or because they seem sorry. It's because God has, uh, Hosea was able to receive the Father's heart, the, the Lord's heart that He has for Israel. And he, he already understands this relationship that God has with His children, God has with His nations. When we say that we are children of God, it means that we have the Lord's righteousness within us. And because He loves you and because He wants to, he wants to help you to stay in this, in this righteousness, He has given you the Holy Spirit. And He has given us His Word as the holy standard in which we have to live our lives. So you have to realize that God has given you this righteousness and He has made us into righteous and, and, and these awesome beings. So how can we explain the Father's heart, the Father's love? Let's say like this. Let's say uh, Pastor Joseph, Joseph met a, a girl. Are you not going to meet a girl? Let's say he met a girl. And this girl has so much uh, scars with him. And so even though she likes Joseph, she is unable to accept his love. She can't accept his love. But let's say one day, two days, or three days, or even a week, Joseph continues to go and meet her and, and expresses his love for her. But she still rejects him. I cannot believe you. I don't believe you. Let's say he, he did that for a year. Would this woman be able to accept his love? No, people don't change so easily. Let's say he does it for two continuous years. Two years he goes every day to her and expresses his love for her. Will she change? Does he, will, will she change? Is that possible? Of course, none of us has, have done this. But in the end, humans don't change that easily. Let's say he, he does it for 10 years. Will she change? Will her attitude change towards him? Scar. Inner scars cannot be mended by the words of man. And so no matter how much he says he loves her, no much, how much he's, he expresses his love for him, it's not going to work. Let's say he did it for 100 years. Let's say he did it for 8,000 years. Maybe, maybe a million years. Maybe she'll change by then. A million years. No. So this something that cannot be done by the love of man for a million years can be done by the Father's love in one instance. Something that takes man a million years or even 10 million years or, or an eternally can be done in an instance by the Lord's love. So that's how powerful the, the, the Father's love is. 
So when you're able to accept and receive this love, you'll be changed immediately. There's a Hebrew word for that, which is a pot. So when that, when that great love comes into you in one moment, it completely transforms you. And connected with that love is the Lord's righteousness. So He did not just say and confess His love for you, but He also poured His righteousness upon you. And that's why we're able to become martyrs for Him. And as soon as His, his love is, comes into you, it can uh, wash away all of your shame, all of your embarrassments, all of the sins that you've committed. And most of us cannot even withstand how great this love is. When I was first met with Him, it was that event, that, that, that the presence of God was so powerful that all the pores of my body just opened up immediately. And all the nicotine and all the, all the, uh, all the illness within me just seeped out of my pores. In, in the same way, in the case of Israel, God has already taken care of everything. And that's why He's able to forgive and accept Israel once again. Because the Lord's love, oh, uh, he, because the Lord always pours His love upon us and brings us back into His righteousness. It is the same for you as well. When we commit a sin and when we become numb against the Holy Spirit, It's not just think, oh, because the Lord loves, us, loves me, He's going to take care of my sins and, and I'll go from then. Later on, I'll receive this righteousness. No, as soon as uh, for the Lord, to, meet, for the Lord to, to come and meet you and encounter you, you must be righteous because He cannot be in the same presence as those who are unholy. And that's why He pours His righteousness upon you first so that you can come and receive His love. And as, when, when the righteousness of God has been given to us, He no longer remembers our sins. So why are you still tormented by guilt? It's because you don't have confirmation of this righteousness. When you have confirmation, you realize your identity before the Lord, that you are the holy bride, and God is going to make, make you holy and blameless. So the, the nobility given to the Lord's children has, of course, many aspects and perspectives. But this is something I've spoken in Second Corinthians. And righteousness also has a lot of perspectives. But we have been given the privilege to come before the, the King of Kings as His royal children. And this kind, uh, this, this, this identity has to overwhelm you, has to bring joy to you. 
because righteousness is the privilege that has been given to us that allows us to go before the Lord whenever we want. Go before the King of Kings because we are, we are His holy bride. Through what? Through His righteousness is what makes this possible. So those who have not who do not have the confirmation of their righteousness cannot receive the Father's heart. This is true in the sense of uh, this is true because this is how God has made His the spiritual order. Because there's righteousness, we can receive His love. And because there's love, we can receive His righteousness. God's love cannot be given to those who are in the, in the midst of darkness. They cannot be given to sinners. So we, are th- we should be very thankful that He has already achieved and done everything for us. All we have to do is be able to accept His righteousness. And then we can uh, encounter Him once again. So it is important for you to confirm of this righteousness before the Lord every day and in every moment. And believe in the blood, in the precious blood that comes and cleanses you, that, that allows this righteousness to come and envelop you once again. That is the heart of God. So Hosea was able to realize and accept this mechanism even in the Old Testament. He does not love and forgive his wife because he pities her or he feels sorry for you. No, he knew exactly what he was doing. So now we can understand. Oh, it is because of this relationship that he had with the Lord, he was able to accept this adulterous wife and continue to forgive her and live with her. It's not because he was was a, a... a good person or he did, or it's because he, uh, he did not feel pain in this relationship. And when we live a very religious life, the, the, the biggest emotion that comes to us is that kind of... Uh, uh, we always complain about be- things being unfair. Because, because religion is a very su- makes you very self-centered everything that happens around you, you become the victim. And so everything feels unjust and unfair in your eyes. So think about Hosea. Think about the, uh, the situation he was in. How do you think he would have responded to God if he did not have this confirmation of righteousness? How much pain would he have been experiencing whenever his wife went out to commit adultery against him? How unjust is that? How unfair is that? Can you relate? Even after confessing your love for 10 million years, she still betrays you. This is not unfairness. If Hosea felt this kind of unfairness, then he would not have been, have been able to continue on his marriage. How, how can he always bring her back and bear another child afterwards? This is possible because he knew the father's heart. In, 
the, the, the essence of the Father's heart is to, to know why He loves you, know why He is caring for you so much. And if you know that, then you can receive His righteousness. So this is a very basic, essential, and fundamental issue. If you do not have this confirmation with the Lord, then nothing else can progress. How can you use the Lord's authority? How can you even uh, say you're holy without actually believing in your righteousness before the Lord? So we're talking about the basics of our faith right now. But even though it's such basic fundamentals, so many people get this wrong. It's because they have not lived with the Holy Spirit. And they have been led astray. That's why they lost sight of God. That's why they have lost this joy that they have with the Lord. They cannot, ex- they cannot sense the Lord when He comes upon them. The reason why we can pray is also because of this relationship we have to the Lord. Because the King of Kings is coming, comes to you and is willing to listen to your prayers. That's why you're able to pray. Think about, think about when was the last time you actually felt touched and you, were, you had to stand in awe of this because you could fully sense the righteousness of God coming to you. And, and you're just overwhelmed by the fact that you're able to meet with the King of Kings. How, how long has it been for you? When was the last time you, you cried and bowed out before the Lord, before His throne of grace? Because you were so overwhelmed and touched by the fact that you're able to meet with God. That's the sense of awe that comes from uh, um, believing in your righteousness. I always say this in our church. I say, go before the throne of grace. How why does the Bible record such mystical things? Because the Bible always says to look, to go before the throne of grace and to look at the light that, that shines from the face of Jesus, that shines from the gospel of God. This is very abstract and mystical to most humans. So why is it written in the Bible? If, if it feels mystical and abstract to you, that means you have not lived by your new self. You have, not been, you, you have not lived by relying on the Holy Spirit. And that's why you have lost this, this great uh, 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 inspiration that comes from, being, from, from, from believing in your righteousness for the Lord. And because your sarks, your flesh becomes more powerful, that's why your prayers are not responded by God. Because you pray according to your own needs, your own necessities, and your own standards. And if you pray according to those standards, then how can God respond to your prayers? You have to go before the throne of grace and and request um, the things that you need before the Lord. So this righteousness should not be clogged. 
If your righteousness is clogged, if it is blocked, then everything else is shut off too. And to those who do not have the Lord's righteousness, they do not understand what the blood can do for them. They cannot utilize the power and authority that God has given to them because they're bound. In Ephesians 1, it says that the church, that the, the, the people of God have the power to forgive sins, to erase sins. And that is the promise of God. But can you truly believe that? Do you believe that the blood coursing, the precious blood coursing within you has the power to erase your sins? Why, do you, why, does, why are you reminded of your sins constantly? Why is it still within your mind? It's because you're in such a state of confusion spiritually. So you have to realize how important it is for you to confirm of your righteousness for the Lord and to be, to, to be impressed, to have the strong emotion be touched by it. That's something I've emphasized in 2 Corinthians also Romans. New, your new self is a state where you, it is constantly meeting with the Lord. And when you live by your new self, you'll be, uh, you're able to uh, be connected with the Lord in this way. And that's how you can experience this kind of, uh, this kind of strong emotion that comes, for, comes with believing the righteousness of God. So, when we look at Hosea, he's not influenced by the sense of unfairness, a uh, sense of being a victim or despair. He's able to accept his wife over and over again because he believes and, and, and knows of the righteousness that God has given to him. Because he is dead, he's out of the equation, he's able to follow uh, the Lord's commands. He does not put his, his sta- standards and his own thoughts before the thoughts of God. While I was preaching from Hosea, we talked about the word, vocabulary word, news. Did we talk about news with uh, you guys? We didn't go into the specifics of this word. But when we live with the righteousness of God, our news becomes cleared because it is constantly under the light of God. But when we lose this righteousness, our news becomes polluted and it is controlled by our old self. So just like when you wear red sunglasses, everything you see is red. If you, if you live while wearing the, the sunglasses of righteousness, then everything will be in the perspective of righteousness. For example, Abraham, not Abraham, Adam, Adam, when he was facing the Lord, he felt no embarrassment and shame about his nakedness. But when he was against the Lord, when he was deceived by the enemy, even though he was the naked the same way, he felt shame and embarrassment and had to hide before the Lord. It is the same uh, concept. When your news is functioning correctly, operating correctly, 
Um, nothing becomes a problem. But, but when we choose to live by the old self, when our news is, is polluted, we get bound to our scars, we get bound to uh, the, the, the bindings that were given to us by Babylon. So when we see colors, um, when, when I see a red color, it means that all the other colors are, are, are absorbed by everything else. And I, the, the red color itself reflects the light, reflects red light into our eyes. That's how we can see colors. So look at David. When Goliath came before him, all of Israel fell into despair. But even though, but when David looked at Goliath, he did not see a strong opponent, but he saw something that can be overcome through the power of God. So what's the difference? It's the difference of having seeing with your spiritual eyes and seeing with the, your, the eyes of your flesh. So people, as they live, even when they're living with God, they think that their situations control uh, the, the way of their life. But no matter what situation comes before you, the outcome is dependent on how you're willing to see that problem. Are you going to see it through your spiritual eyes or your, the eyes of your flesh? Only when you have, are you equipped with these spiritual goggles will you be able to see correctly and discern everything correctly for yourselves. The reason why we have to wander in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years is because we have not been equipped with the right sunglasses, with the, right, with the, with the, the goggles of righteousness. That's why we wander. So it is so very important for us to maintain the state of righteousness because without it, we become deceived. It's because of that person. It's because my parents are poor. No, when you live with righteousness, you're able to dismiss all of your conditions. So let's look at the word adulterous. Throughout the book of Hosea, why is this book so important for us? When we look in the gospel, do you know that Jesus refers to Hosea the most out of the Old Testament books? He refers a lot to this book. There are many reasons to why this book is important for us. But it, it clearly explains the relationship that God had with Israel. When we say God's people, when we say God's children, uh, it's something that uh, it is, a, it is a, um, a description that we are very familiar with. But Hosea was the first person to, to describe them in this way. The Lord's people, the Lord's children. And all this uh, flows from the book of Hosea until Revelations, describing us as the holy brides of Jesus. 
Hosea was the one that opened these tremendous revelations upon the world. And all these relationships were made upon the relationship, the, whole, the loving relationship that we have with God. And the focus is on the Lord's reign, His sovereignty. And when we say the Lord's children, the focus is on His, his inheritance. Uh, and the, when we say the Holy Bride, the focus is on purity. So when we're able to accept all these identities, identities, can we utilize the Lord's authority over this world? So what, what's the first, what is the most important thing that we have to be make, to make sure of in this ministry is for us to accept the Lord's dominion. Through the covenant on Mount Sinai, God said, I will be your people, and you will, uh, I will be your God, and you will be my people. In the same way, uh, when he says, you will be my kingdom, it means that you are under my dominion. So what's next? It's being his, his children. It's, it means being his heir, that we, have his, we are able to receive this inheritance from God. <coughs> But most of us, when we're not able to accept this kind of scale, we, we don't think we're receiving the Lord's inheritance. Rather, we think we're receiving uh, allowance or uh, salary from God. But we do not receive salary from God. When, when, as pastors, what do you receive? Do you receive salary from the church? No, we are ones who can receive this inheritance from God. You need to have this uh, clear faith. Thirdly, we are His holy bride. Even though Hosea was the first to mention the Holy Bride, Amos says in chapter 3 verse 10, he says, God does not act without telling his servant the prophets. For it means his prophets are able to go into the secret place to meet with God. And in the same way, the Holy Bride is able to enter into the secret place with God. Only those pure Holy Brides are able to communicate with their husbands without any secrets. If you have a lot of secrets with your spouse, then there's a problem there. You must not have any secrets. Do you know everything about your partner? Did you talk about your past relationships with your wife? The holy bride, the pure bride, has no, communi- uh, has no secrets with her husband. God has made you uh, as ho- His holy of holies. And of course, I can say many of these, uh, many important reasons for this. But it's because God, be- 
God believes that He can have this holy and pure relationship with you. So all these important uh, decisions that are made in the, 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 the headquarters in heaven are made same in, within you as well. So that's why the Lord tells us His decisions and He tells us His will through the Holy of Holies that is built within you. And the reason why He built this Holy of Holies within you is because of uh, purity. So the three things that are important for us is dominion or sovereignty. And in the end, it talks about the, the, the scale of our faith. It's, it's because His kingdom has come into you. And when He says He's your, uh, you are His children, this talks about your inheritance. You're not receiving salary, a salary from the Lord. We're receiving His kingdom with Jesus. And thirdly, we are His holy bride. It talks about the purity that our relationship is built on. So Hosea was the prophet that opened up these revelations to the world. And especially um, uh, this, the, the, the Holy Bride was something that was very new back then. Let's move on. Since we have no time, let's move on. So let's go on to the, to the word adulterous. So the adulterous wife, or this word is used to describe prostitutes, and the Hebrew word for that is joni. But the word written here is juni. And the, the reason why it is written differently is because there's a hidden meaning after it. And Hosea was a prophet of the late 8th century BC. And uh, during that period, people were fight, had to fight against syncretism. Because there were many people who were believing in the male god and the female god. The male god is Baal, and the female god is what? And these two gods became a married couple, and they were the ones that were able to bless you with abundance. That was the, the belief back then. So, uh, people started to put in the place of Baal uh, the name of God. And so this is very dangerous and fearful. Because they believe that through the sexual relationship between the two, between the male God and the female God is what uh, let the humans experience abundance and they're blessed through uh, this action. But the, uh, later on, the Israelites described the Lord as the same as Baal. So they are falling into this deep syncretism. And officially, they started to build. Um, uh, what's that called? Uh, 
So Gomer was a Gomer was a woman that was uh, had had this ideology within her. Had, she had this kind of faith within her. She believed in syncretism, and she was the outcome of syncretism. Religious brothel. Religious okay. So this is an issue that we'll be talking about throughout the book of Hosea. But this problem, this issue, is still very prominent in this age. And now syncretism also pulls on the road and it makes the people become numb against their sins. They don't realize and they do not acknowledge that what they're doing is a sin. So what is the heretics written, uh, described in Galatians? They are people of the law, people lived, living under legalism. They were ones that obsessed over their actions, thinking that their actions would bring them salvation. But what is, what is syncretism? It is being mixed with the world. All the heretics in the current contemporary world right now, for example, the new heaven, new earth, or, or yes, all of them, even though they are called heretics, in the eyes of God, they are not really heretics because what tr- is truly heretical is, is beginning through the grace of God but ending in your own actions. It's thinking that your actions will bring you salvation. And people do not realize that this is a sin. When, when immorality is personified, with, personified within you, then you commit those sins. And when the world is personified within you, then you commit that kind of sins. God hates being mixed. He does not... So that's why He commands the Israelites to not plant seeds together. He, he says, do not wear... Uh, different fabrics on you at once. God hates mixed noodles and hates mixed rice, which are Korean dishes. We have been to Israel before. How is, it, how is the food in Israel? I really dislike the food in Israel. And all the food I had, I had back uh, while I was there made me almost want to puke because nothing is mixed. And so as a Gentile, it is so difficult for me to accept that food in my mouth. I need everything to be mixed and for it to uh, complement one another in flavor. And look at the, 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 the clothing of the Israelites. It is always one piece. It's because they don't want to be mixed. And the church, contemporary churches have lost this holiness. They have lost the purity before the Lord. And they do not regard self, uh, self-reliance and their own strengths to be sins anymore. And because of this, they have lost sight of the Lord's presence. When you live by the Holy Spirit, you have to listen carefully here, when you live by the Holy Spirit, you will feel pain when, you're, uh, when, when you do not feel the presence of God. His presence is a privilege that is given to His children. But because His children has been, has been mixing with the Lord, uh, with, with the world, 
they have lost sight of the Lord's presence. And it, is, it has become very easy for them to commit <coughs> these sins because they have opened the door for, for this evil to come and affect them and influence them. From your mouth and from your eyes, you need to uh, have tears of repentance. Paul, when he was in the time of his, uh, during the apex of his faith, he said he was the, the, the sinner of sinners. That means he was able to keep, keep and defend his holiness. If, you, if in the same way you're able to keep uh, this holiness, you're able to keep this purity within you, and if you're living by the new self, then uh, it should be very natural for you to be able to repent before the Lord. But if that's not the case, then uh, repentance becomes very difficult. And that's why it is so difficult to repent in this world right now. One of the pastor's wives, uh, wife in this in Zoe ministry, she would always complain about her husband to me. And that was that her husband has fallen into gambling. But when she confronted him about this sin, he told her that this, this should not be regarded as a sin because everybody else is doing it too. So, uh, when I was an associate pastor uh, in, in a Methodist church, all the other pastors or the, or the other associate pastors always um, went to nightclubs, went to bars to enjoy themselves. And when I was in a very big church before, um, one, one, one evening, the, the head leader or somebody like that called me and said, uh, Mino, you have to prepare to go to soccer practice tomorrow morning at 8. But I rejected saying that I have to go to early morning prayer. But they were unable to accept that. For me, it was an, 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 an unacceptable to go to soccer practice without going to early morning uh, while uh, neglecting early morning prayer. When you're able to live this kind of pure life, the 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 standard for for sins becomes even clearer and becomes even stricter. And this does not just happen uh, one morning. When you live by relying on the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit itself is such a pure spirit, it leads you to live this kind of lifestyle. And so for, what you have to do is to not restrict the work of the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, 4. 
it says the Holy Spirit acknowledges and, 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 and uh, has made you into the, the child of God. So when you rely on this Holy Spirit, when you rely on this pure Spirit, He allows you to live this kind of holy life. And the Holy Spirit allows you to communicate, have this connection with God. And secondly, <clears throat> the second function, he, the Spirit tells you how to live a holy life, live, to live a, a pure life, and to have the fear of the Lord. It is a package. So when, when you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you will have the fear of the Lord. If you, if you do not have this fear of the Lord, then that means you're not living with God. Because the Holy Spirit leads you to, to become holy. And when you live by the Holy Spirit, it becomes easier for you to meet and encounter the, the Lord. And you're able to pray saying, Lord, would you pour your anointing upon me? So, this, this is very important for me in my relationship with the Lord. If you live with the Holy Spirit, then he, you cannot help but live this kind of way, uh, this kind of lifestyle. And if you allow any other emotions to come, and any negative emotions to come within you, then uh, you will realize that it torments you to, to have this emotion because it is, it is not pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> Let's move on. Are you guys tired? So this adulterous wife is not just an adulterous wife, but a prostitute, a religious prostitute. So that's why uh, the reason why we do not allow cell phones to be given to the, 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 the youth of our church is because of this issue. And recently my phone, phone broke and I could not be more free with the Lord. And I decided not to fix my phone or buy a new one. And if you need to call me or contact me, just contact the people around me like Pastor Lee. I've used this phone for around five years and finally gave up. And you can, just, you can realize how dangerous your cell phones are. Because rather than believing in God, you believe in your cell phone. Every problem that you, uh, that, that you face can be fixed by your cell phones. So your phones have become Lord over you. My cell phone is my shepherd. I always say that the spiritual world is dependent on uh, the things of analog things and not digital things. So even though we have to live in the world, it does not mean that we have to be influenced by it. And so it is important to always watch yourselves and see how you might be affected. 
And even though you might you might uh, do occasional internet shopping, you have to realize how how it can affect you and how uh, dangerous it is. So the things of the spirit are analog, not digital. So, uh, it seems like you guys are a bit tired, so let's finish quickly today. Hopefully. From, through Hosea, we can realize how dangerous syncretism is for us and for this church. And the things hardened within you through syncretism uh, lets you lose sight of uh, lose sight of the righteousness of God. Inspiration. It is important not to, for not uh, for you to not lose this inspiration that comes with the words righteousness. Anyway, let's move on to verse three. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Her name. So Diblaim's name means excellent to be excellent so you guys are be you guys should not be excellent in the world but you have to be excellent in the kingdom of God and she conceived and bore him a son so the reason why they were able to bear a son means that Ho- is because Hosea loved Gomer when we live in the world, we're always experiencing shame, jealousy, judgment, envy. When you live in the world, you cannot help but be, be affected by these emotions. And that's why I tell you not to do, not to go on social media pages, because those are those are the channels in which we can we can ex- receive these spiritual attacks. You will not die because you don't have an Instagram account. Because as long as you know God, everything else doesn't matter. I do not know how to operate a computer. But I do not have any... Uh, any, 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 any obstacles in my daily life. So don't call me because I don't have a phone anymore. And it's a it's a little broken, but I do not have any desire to fix it because I, I I'm enjoying this freedom that I finally have after five years. You will not realize how many calls I receive from all over the world. So I don't know how long I will let my phone stay broken. So, uh, if you cannot reach me through my phone, then don't, don't, <clears throat> this is the reason. So, Gomer continues to, to run away and then come back and have a bear son with Jose. In the same way, Israel continues to revolt and, uh, and betray the Lord, but in the end, the Lord brings them back. <laughs> <laughs> 
and pours his righteousness and love upon him once again. This is the, the love of the God, uh, love of the Father. But he does not do. He does not always uh, let them back easily. And that's why in Hosea 2, the Lord talks about the judgment that will be poured upon his people. It's only 11, 12. Why are you guys still why are you guys tired already? Well, even while listening to the word of God, you have to receive anointing from God to uh, receive it through the Spirit and not through your minds. Let's go to verse 4. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I soon will punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel. Jezreel talks about the, 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 the ground that is located between Samaria and, and Samaria and Samaria place. And it is, it is a, a fruitful land. So, uh, verse 4 is talking about Jezreel because the God wants to emphasize that the reason why Jezreel is such an abundant land is not because of the other gods, but because of God Himself. And when we lose sight of God, when we lose this righteousness with Him, we lose His abundance as well. A church, a church, because it is connected with God and because it is under the dominion of God, it is able to experience this, this eternal abundance within the Lord. And this is something that I experience daily while I'm, I'm ministering in this church. I always experience this abundance. But if you're under the syncretism, <clears throat> and you think your abundance comes from the world and comes from Babylon. After the COVID virus hit our church, around 100 people have left uh, our church. But even though 100 people have left this church, the offering, the amount of money that has been given through offering has doubled. How does this make sense? It's because the, the church is not dependent on numbers. And it's because the abundance of God does not go dry. And the hundred people that have left this church are all people who earned a lot of money and so they offered a lot of money. Why is that? Why is it that the rich leave the church? And the people that are left are those who are poor and do not have a lot of money to offer. Please leave. No, but the, the amount of money offered is doubled. Even I'm not sure exactly why this happened. It always amazes me. But it is because we are living by the, the, the kingdom of God. But if we accept the world, if we are mixed, then this abundance will go dry. So, even, uh, so Jezreel was also a land of abundance. Says, I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put to end the kingdom of Israel. 
오므리 왕조를 예후 족 So the, 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 the people of Jehu committed a great massacre against the people of Omri, Omri. And the Lord is punishing them for this massacre. And God is going to judge that land to, to make its abundance go to them. And in verse 5, In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Because it is in the valley of Jezreel where this battle happened. And that's why God's, God is going to break Israel's bow in that valley. So, the, as I said before, Israel was experiencing their second golden age in this period. And now this prophet is saying that, uh, uh, that, you, <clears throat> that you, will be, you will face destruction for your actions. People always wonder how did this great kingdom, the Babylon Empire, how did this kingdom uh, break down? So quickly. But of course, God prophesied that it's going to meet its destruction. But uh, um, the difference between Babylon and Israel is that the, the reason for the destruction is for, for them to return to the Lord. God's ultimate goal is for His people to come back to Him after realizing their mistakes. So verse 6, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. So even after running away again, she, uh, Hosea brings her back and conceives another child. This means holy, uh, Hosea saw her as a holy bride. So we might look at Hosea and say, he's such a foolish and stupid man. How is he able to accept this, this adulterous woman? We think, we think that wisdom, uh, we think that being wise means that you, you, you do not live uh, in this situation, that you will try to take yourself out of this situation when you're continually betrayed by the Lord and when you're still under this kind of unfair circumstances. So, with the wisdom of the world, we cannot understand the actions and the attitude that Hosea had for his wife. But we, can, we know that Hosea was able to do this because he had this relationship with the Lord. He had faith in God. And through that, that, that faith, he, would, he was able to see his wife as a holy bride. And it is true wisdom for you to accept this faith and to have this kind of holy perspective. Without it, when we rely on the wisdom of the world, we start to judge one another, we start to uh, do act according to our own standards. And we live with our minds rather than our faith. Look at your, look, look at your own uh, daily lives. Ding, ding. Uh, uh, when, you, when, when you live by your own thoughts, you're always condemning people. You're always judging others. Why are you living that way? Why are you always affected by this? And because these thoughts of condemnation and judgment are, are circling within your mind, you're unable to hear the voice of God. 
This is the life of those who do not live by the Holy Spirit. And especially those who watch a lot of, read a lot of the news in the world. Because the news is always accusing others. Uh, uh, it is always words of slander against some group of people. Um, naturally, you would do the same. So when you're not living a spiritual life, when you're not living, relying on the Holy Spirit, you should not, you should not even look at the news. So Gomer conceived again and gave birth to your daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo Ruhama, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should not should at all forgive them. So God is saying, if you continue on this path, the word compassion it comes from the womb of the woman, and it is what gives life to us. And so we're, we're, when we're within the Lord, when we're in His womb, we're we can continually be, be nurtured by Him. We can, we're connected to the source of life. And so it is very important for us to be within this, uh, this, this, this relationship with the Lord. We're able to continue to receive compassion from Him. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the reason why we have to go before His throne every day is to receive this mercy and grace from Him. And so, no matter how holy a human may be, even Jesus himself said that he cannot live without the mercy of God. So when we're walking on this earth, when we're living in this Babylon, it's impossible for us to survive and continue on without receiving this mercy and receiving this grace from God. And so that's why it is important for us to always come before the throne of grace and to receive these, these nutritions from Him. Because no matter what we do, uh, 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 we, we, we are always affected by our weaknesses. And that's why we must always come before Him to, to be touched by Him, to receive grace and mercy. So when you're able to maintain this kind of right relationship with the Lord, you're filled with this confidence. So you have to believe this uh, with faith. Because God is the source of life, we have to always stay close to Him. So without His mercy, uh, in, you will perish. You will not be able to do anything. That is how important this is. Another word for love is mercy. So even in the Beatitudes, so those who are poor in heart, poor in spirit will receive. Mm. So, uh, in the same way, it is important for us to receive this mercy from God. 
So when somebody comes and, 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 and torments you, we need to be able to forgive them and, have, and pour this mercy upon, mercy upon them. And what does it mean that you pour your mercy upon that person? It means that their actions and their words do not affect you, that it does not become a scar within you because you're not affected by it. So it is very, this is a very important issue for us to come before the throne of grace and to, to receive mercy. So in the same way, when we receive righteousness from God, it does not just end there, but it leads to this mercy as well. So let's move on. So God is saying He will no longer show His love and mercy uh, and forgiveness to the Israelites. Verse 7 Yet I will show love to Judah. And Judah was different. And I will save them not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen. So Judah will not meet their destruction yet. And it says, uh, God will save them not by bow, sword, or battle, or horses, or horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. So uh, Judah was surrounded by the Assyrians. But the presence of God was so great and powerful that the Assyrians, not a single uh, bowman was able to, to fire a single bow against Judah because of the presence of God. So that's how powerful and that's how great uh, the, these prophecies are coming from these prophets. So we need these kind of prophets in this age as well. Those who are very accurate and precise in their prophecies. Uh, Assyrian soldiers surrounded Judah, but they were not able to fire a single bolt. So, right now, because we're facing the end times, uh, it is a very difficult time. But also, on, this, on the other hand, we can receive uh, the great glory that comes from God. And we will be able to see the miracles that transcends physics, uh, transcends the physics, physics of this world in this age. The few in number, uh, uh, the remnant which are few will be able to experience these miracles and see the glory of God come upon this earth. Even though this world will be overcome by evil, when the remnant of God focus on the Lord and they're able to see His works and His will, uh, we were able to experience His glory that has never been shown to humankind before. And that, that time is coming very near. With your two very eyes, you'll be able to see the second coming of Jesus. Raise your hand if you still think that the coming of Jesus is uh, like a thousand years from now. It is so, so near that we can count down to the days. So this 10-year period is very important for us. 
So you need to stay, stay sharp. And God is going to continue to touch this church and make it holy because this, this, this decade is so important. So let's move on to verse 8. After she had weaned the low Hama, Gomer had another son. So listen carefully. Uh, why does he continue to have relations with her with his wife? Is it because is it because Hosea was a immor- was influenced by immorality? No, it's because he knew of the father's heart. And in the same way, when the Israelites are willing to return to the Lord, the Lord always welcomes them and embraces them. Verse nine. Then the Lord said, "Call him Lo Ami." which means not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. It means the the dominion of God has been removed. Dominion is the will of God that, that created humankind, created the world in the first place. And when, he, when God first created Adam, He created him as a king to rule over all creation. And so he, the original intention of God was to make man as His priestly kings who were able to rule over His creation. So when God says, I'm not your God and you're not my people, it means the, the Israelites have lost their, their the, the goal for their being. And so it's very important for us to not lose this nobility for the Lord because if we do lose it, then we become uh, uh, we can be easily mocked by the, by the world. And we are made to be His priestly kings. And that is the appearance, and that is the form that He has created us originally. And the church itself should be the kingdom of God, where His priestly kings can, can rule. And where there's a church, the, the, the heavenly assembly can come upon it. And that's why in the Bible it says that the angels, the heavenly hosts, and the righteous ones who are in heaven are, 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 are here to encourage us. And you have to be able to believe this. And I believe this because uh, even before building this church, the Lord has already showed me the glory of the church, and that's why I was able to continue this ministry. That is the true form of the church of God. And even though all of your churches are small, and even though you don't have a lot of church members, it doesn't matter. When you believe that the kingdom of God is in your churches, it means that the the whole of heaven can come and help you in your church. And because we're we're listening, we're reading from the book of Hosea, Hosea himself is here to encourage us. And Hosea is the cheerleader for us because Pastor Kim is preaching from his book. Wow. 
So the Lord's dominion is, is, is important because of this. If you do not believe in the Lord's uh, sovereignty, then uh, your identity as his heirs, as his holy bride is all useless. Because in the first place, uh, the first thing that we, the, the first identity that we have received from God is to be his people. Number one is to accept the Lord's sovereignty. And God reigns over the church and he reigns over creation through the church. And so the church itself is the kingdom of God. You have to believe in this fully. So a pastor, the first thing that he has to pray for in the morning is for, for, for God to come and reign over his, his church. You have to cast all the, 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 the authority that the Lord has given to you as the leader of the church back to God and allow the, allow the Lord to reign over your church, to rule over your church. Because your pastoral ministry does not belong to you, it belongs to God. Verse 10. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. So God still loves Israel and He's still willing to accept them as His holy bride and to pour His righteousness upon them. But they are on the path of destruction. So the, the, that, the, love, the love that God has for Israel is only valid when it is when it's maintained within this holy relationship. So, the judgment that God pours upon Israel does not mean the end of Israel. God is tormented when, when He sees the Israelites living in wickedness, living in sin for 100 years or 200 years. So, uh, for us, when, <clears throat> when somebody is asking money from the Lord to commit a sin, the Lord, because He loves that person, He does not give that money for that person to spend. Rather, He takes away His money so that He can not walk on this path of destruction. The, the, the activation of the Lord's love comes in the form of helping us to maintain the holiness that He has given to us. So when I pray to God, no matter what I pray, I would say, Lord, I'm willing to live and die for your gospel. And would you help me to, to, keep, help me to keep the confessions I've made to you? Help me to keep and defend this nobility and holiness that you have given to me. And when you pray like this, the Lord will help you to keep, keep it. And it is very pleasing for Him to hear your prayers. Zechariah, Zephaniah chapter 1, 318. 
So when you come to the Lord, uh, and pray to Him, saying, Lord, because of that, because of my condition, because of my situation, I'm unable to lift up a holy, holy worship to You. When you pray like this to the Lord, the Lord will, 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 will feel the shame and embarrassment that You have, and He will help you get over it. In the New Testament, Romans 8, says that the Lord has already taken care of the burdens of your flesh. And that's why that God will help us to live as his, 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 his priestly kings, as his holy beings. So do not, do not let your pastoral ministry become a burden for you. That is very dangerous. If God tells you to stop your ministry one day, then you have to be able to stop and let it go. Uh, in the Methodist denomination, they have three, uh, they have this model saying, you have to be ready to die, be ready to move. What's the last one? Anyways, they have three, these three models. Uh, models. So, which denomination are you from? Methodist or Baptist? So, it's very important. It's very important. What is important? I can't, I can't, I can't hear the last one. <laughs> it's ready to die, ready to move in something. So, as your relationship with God becomes perfect, you realize how precious it is. And you realize how precious this life is that God has given to you. Like Daniel, he realized how no he realized how great this nobility is that God has given to him. And that's why he was able to uh, restrain himself from eating the foods of Babylon. And even when they, they threatened him about his prayer life, he was bold against them and prayed while, uh, prayed with his windows open. Because the people of God do not compromise their nobility. Is that only possible for people like Daniel? No, isn't, isn't the, the, the God of Daniel the same God that is working upon you right now? Anyone who is willing to live for the glory of God will be able to live like this. We all have this hope, right? Hope and desire. So God is not allowing uh, the sin of Israel to continue to grow anymore. And that's why He is bringing His judgment upon Israel. Because He wants to help Israel keep their nobility and holiness. So uh, spiritual beings are actually very cold in this way. And many people uh, describe me as a cold person. Because, but if, if you look at me with uh, a very uh, look at me with human standards, then I may be I may seem cold to some. But in the spiritual perspective, the reason why I, I act like this is because I I only live according to uh, the standards of God and the inspirations that He gives to me. 
if the Lord wants to take away your things, then, he, then I will let it happen because that is the love of God. So can that be described as being cold? When Phineas and Hophni were killed, um, that's why God was able to tell Aaron not to fall into sadness and grief because it was done through the goodness of God. You have to completely remove humanism from the church. It's because you live by humanistic, humanistic standards and because you live by syncretism, you're unable to fully uh, reveal the will of God within your churches. Nothing good will be left when you live according to humanism. And do not think I am a very uh, mean person. Don't be afraid of me. I have a beautiful relationship with, with everybody here. Don't be afraid of me. Raise your hand if you're, if you're afraid of me. Don't be serious here. We're almost at the end. Let's move on. Are you afraid of me? Why? Verse 10, yet the Israelites will be like a sand on the seashore which cannot be measured or counted in the place where it is said, where it is said to them, you are not my people, you will be called to children. So, uh, God is saying that he's, going, he's willing to call the people of Israel his people again. It is the fulfillment of his prophecy. Genesis 22, Abraham after... And he, was, he lifted up uh, Isaac as an offering to God. He was blessed by God. So right now God needs to judge Israel. He has to judge his people. But this judgment is not their end. Because the, 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 the biggest threat, the biggest pain that they have to deal with is uh, that, that God has to deal with is to continue to let them sin. And God's will is to, to, to pluck them out before they're, they're, they commit uh, more sins and become even more wicked. So the key to having uh, living a long life is to maintain this kind of balance with the Lord, to live a little bit of a holy life and to live a little bit of wickedness so that God does not know the right time to pluck you out. Abraham, uh, like it was described in Hebrews 11, means, uh, was, a, was a person that was able to see the glory of his home, hometown, home country. Like I say, uh, the Bible is a record of all those who have... Uh, uh, were who have been cursed because of their faith in God. So do not feel like things are unfair. God, I did this for you, and how come you did not bless me in this way? How come that person is still tormenting me? 
Think about the Lord's perspective. Think about how much pain that brings the Lord. You have to love God with all your might, not not do your ministry, or not pour your might into your ministry. Do you not understand what I'm trying to say? You should love the God, with, love God with all your might, not pour all your might into your ministry. You don't know what it means to be a servant of God. Who is a good pastor? Answer me. Those who are uh, lazy. But if you're a lazy pastor after uh, under me, then I'm gonna have to fire you. Pastor Cho, who is a good pastor? No, I might not send you to Guangzhou because of that answer. Let's move on. Verse 11, the people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come out, out, out of that land for great will be the day of Jezreel. So where's the focus of this verse? Uh, there's that, uh, appoint, they will appoint one leader. So one leader is the focus of this verse. And who is this one leader? Is it Zerubbabel? But we can also say that the fulfillment of the prophecy written in verse 11 is Babylon itself. So they will appoint one leader and the end will come out of the land. So where is this land? Is this land Babylon? So the the, the the word for land here is the Eriks, and this land is a new land that the Israelites have never seen before. So the great day of Jezreel talks about the second coming of Jesus. So only until, uh, only in the time of revelations will this prophecy be fully fulfilled. When Jesus comes upon this land again, that is what this great day is talking about. So this one leader can be, can, can refer to a lot of people. But uh, the land talk, talked about here, written here, is not talking about the land of the Gentiles, but the land of Israel. So right now, Israel is receiving this punishment and judgment from God to become pure once again. But this judgment is given differently from the judgment of the world. It's a new start. It's a new beginning for Israel. Through this judgment, they're able to receive the Messiah. And the Messiah will, will, will restore the relationship that we have with the Heavenly Father. And in the second coming, He will bring His great... On that great day, the Lord will uh, bring His ultimate victory upon this land. 
암니라 이만은 욕이죠. 암니라. <웃음> 네, 뭐야? 어. 이게 내력형이라 그리고 긍휼이다. 드디어? So uh, verse one of chapter two, say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved ones. So uh, Israel once again is regarded as the Lord's people, and because they are able to receive the grace and mercy from God, and they are able to uh, maintain this relationship with God throughout eternity, and we'll end the sermon here. So uh, we have to see the will that Hosea has behind behind these words. Number one, like I said before, Hosea talks about the three relationships that we have with God. Number one, being his people. Second, being his children. Third, being his bride. These all three relationships are a relationship of love. And through Hosea, this amazing love of God is proclaimed upon Israel. When you talk about the Lord's love without talking about righteousness, you lose sight of the fear of God. In Romans 3:19, it says His Son has become a. Uh, 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 offer, uh, an offering of restoration to mend the relationship between man and God. And through His blood, through His sacrifice, we have been made pure, we are made sinless. So when you're able to accept and believe that through the righteousness of God, you have been made perfect, that you have been made to be, uh, that, you, that your sins are taken away from you, You will be truly inspired by the Lord once again, because this is something that cannot be done by our own efforts. So, in my own uh, translation, I do not translate this feeling as a fear of God, but rather a wonder that you have for God. When you're truly able to accept what kind of being you are before the Lord. And this comes from my own, this, this definition comes from my own experience that I have with God. So through the book of Hosea, you must be able to accept and believe in, in, the, in the three relationships that you have with God. So number one, uh, so the things that you have to be careful of is syncretism. And even though it was Baal for the people back in Israel during that time, it is the world for us. It is Babylon to us. You have to see how you're being mixed with the world. Do you truly believe that the precious blood is, 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 is healing you, that, that it has taken your sins away from you? And you have to realize how the, the, the world, how the enemy has already built these strongholds within your minds. So, anything that is mixed, anything that has been influenced by syncretism, you must remove. Do not be mixed. The Holy Spirit is in pain whenever you mix something. When you are mixed, it hinders the Holy Spirit from being from from being able to do anything for you. He's un it is una he is unable to fully operate and function within you when you mix 
the things of the world with it, with with him, with uh, within you. So, beloved pastors, beloved pastors' wife, and all ministers, escape the the ways of the world. Stop mixing yourself with the world, which hinders you, hinders God from being able to reveal Himself within you, reveal Himself within your churches and your ministry. When you're able to accept all these things through faith, you're able to you'll be able to fully. Uh, Activate all the concepts of God that have been abstract and mystical to you. Come before the throne of grace, because you have given you have been given the privilege to come before Him. Amen. Because the Lord has allowed, and God promised us that He does not work without telling His servants, His telling His prophets about His secrets beforehand. So Lord, tonight, we thank you for blessing us with your grace. We thank you that you have given us your truth and your message. Lord, in this beautiful time, as we come before your throne of grace, would you help us to encounter you once again? Let's pray. So look here. We're going to turn off the lights and pray as much as you want before leaving. Right now it's 11.50. Just pray as much as you want and return to your uh, accommodations. And I really encourage you to pray a uh, a lot of time. Spend more time with the Lord in a secret place. And also on the on June first, we have my son's wedding, but also the election. So we need to experience a great victory in this election as well. So we are in a very important and crucial time, and so your prayers are very important as well. We have to fight against all uh, the the works of the Antichrist who are trying to go against uh, the, the, who, who are trying to mm, make an influence to go against make a force to go against the word the gospel we have to change the tide of the political scene in this nation because we need to be victorious in this nation so that this nation will become a sanctuary for the remnants in the future we will be victorious and now is the time that we enter into a new season and remove all your all of your habits and tendencies to try to do anything for yourselves to do to achieve anything through your own efforts especially when it comes to the things of the spirit so Lord tonight would you you open up this time as a time of glory to us Lord would you encounter these pastors and help them to, 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 to encounter your glory let's pray